Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. On third and three, they protect Brady. Scans the field and lets it fly. It's Evans. It's a touchdown. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. All fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And then the cannons go. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Evan Wanish. Not available for today's show. He is on the IR. We'll have him back for Friday's game preview. But joining us in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, former Buccaneers quarterback, Sean King. We're really excited to have you uh, bring this level of coverage to us this year. We announced it on the season prediction show that you're going to be joining us this year for a weekly mailbag show. And we are pumped to get your insight and uh, really kick off a great year of Buccaneers coverage with you here today. Well, I'm excited to be joining. Uh, of course, I love my Bucks. From St. Petersburg, grew up a Buck fan. I never forget my dad was a uh, minister, and uh, I used to sneak out of church early because I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the Black Baptist Church in the uh, early to mid '80s and all the way probably into early 2000s. But 11 o'clock service didn't get over to like two, <laughs> and the yeah. Bucks started at <laughs> one. But you could only watch them when they were on the road because the NFL had the whole blackout uh, rule at the time. And so they weren't selling out the game. So I used to run to watch them play. What a time. Uh, by the way, Evan is uh, like the majority of the Bucks' interior offensive line not available. But we look forward to seeing him next week. I'm excited to get your take on that. Today on the show, we're going to kind of break down the team and grade every position group, get your opinion on where you think they are and uh, how far it's ultimately going to take Tampa Bay this season. So looking at the team as a whole, one hell of an offseason. I mean, one of the most memorable offseasons from beginning to end that we have had as Bucks fans. Things finish a little bit underwhelming. Obviously, they don't get the job done, eliminated in the divisional round against the uh, eventual Super Bowl 56 champions in L.A., Tom Brady talks about retirement, flirts with it, and we get an unofficial announcement from a couple of reporters that he's going to be announcing his retirement. Well, time goes by. Things have to get clarified because, of course, unless it's coming from the man itself, it seems like it's going to dominate the news cycle day in and day out. Officially, we get an announcement from Tom Brady that he isn't going to make the commitment to be a football player this year. And then uh, 40 short days after that, he announces he's going to be back with Tampa Bay for his 23rd season. Obviously, things change with the Buccaneers and their side of things as well. Bruce Arians decides to step down, so now we see Todd Bowles in his first head coaching position since his tenor with the New York Jets. How do you think this team is going to do this year? I have seen predictions everywhere from winning 14, 15 games and obviously getting the one seed in the NFC 
to a lot of people thinking they don't even make the playoffs. How do you think this year is going to shake out for uh, not only Todd Bowles and the Buccaneers, but Tom Brady as he is entering year 23? It's, I guess it's the million dollar question. I think the first thing I do when I'm assessing, you know, overall results is look within the division. And I think the division is better than it was last year. Um, especially if Jameis Winston stays healthy for the entirety of the year for the New Orleans Saints. You look at uh, that offensive group they have there with Michael Thomas and Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, uh, Alvin Kamara is going to avoid suspension, you know, during the season. You know, they upgraded his safety. You know, they're an issue. Carolina, if you look at their roster, they have a pretty good roster if they can get the quarterback position fixed. Now, I don't think Baker Mayfield's in the running for NFL MVP, but I think he's the best quarterback they've had since Matt Rule has gotten there. So if Christian McCaffrey stays healthy, they're better. So I think they're going to get more resistance. I know we lost both games with the Saints last year anyway, but I think the division is going to provide a little more resistance than it has in the past. Now when you look internally, I guess the alarming part, is since Brady's gotten here, this is the first offseason where the majority of the content wasn't strictly about improvement on the field. I think uh, the two offseasons prior to this, everything that we heard from the end of the season to the beginning of the next season was all about Gronkowski going to return. You know, how can they upgrade this area? Uh, is this contract extension, you know, going to be given? And for the first time, we kind of, it's been a little different. You know, they decided not to bring in Dominican Sue back, not to bring Jason Pierre-Paul back. Uh, Ali Marpet surprisingly retired. Alex Kappa left in free agency. You know, of course, the whole Tom Brady, I'm retiring. You know, Bruce Arians, uh, what, did he step down? Did he get asked to step down? I mean, did, what really happened with that? He moved. I mean, so I think, you know, it's going to be interesting. If, if there's any quarterback I think that has the intangible and intrinsic toughness to rally everybody in the midst of what I think has been minor chaos it's probably Tom Brady you know uh, we'll find out though uh, is Chris Godwin you know uh, Gage who we picked up in the free agency who I really liked he hasn't been healthy you know for the majority of his tenure here so far so I think we have a lot more question marks then we've had the last couple of years, and I think the division is going to provide more resistance. So uh, to answer your question, I'm going to go uh, – I think they have a, a, a margin between 9 and 12. And I'm not copping out, but I think the floor is probably 9 wins and the ceiling is probably 12. You look at the schedule, and, I mean, that's what plays a major role in a lot of people's predictions this year. I know that I, I picked them – uh, at 12 and five, like if I had to toss out a specific record, I would say it's 12 and five over under maybe one or two games at most as far as the floor and ceiling goes. But the opponents that they're facing are tough. The health becomes an issue later on in the season when you have these rough stretches of travel, because later on in the season, not only are they playing in Germany, but they're going to be going coast to coast multiple times. They'll be flying out to San Francisco. Um, they'll be playing the Ravens on a short week as well. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but when we start to look at the team and performance on the field, the biggest thing on the offensive side of the ball I wanted to get your opinion on, and this plays a factor as well, is the offensive line, specifically the interior offensive line. I mean, it is brand new. 
It was announced this week that Luke Gedeke got the starting job at left guard, so he is going to be starting there. Ryan Hainsey at uh, center, and NFL veteran Shaq Mason at right guard, who personally I don't think people are really giving him enough credit for as well as he has been in the NFL so far in his career, but you know, it is a, a much bigger change than you would have anticipated, especially losing Ryan Jensen that first week of training camp. He's pretty much done for the year. And if he's not done for the year at this point, it seems like he'll be back for the playoffs. But it really is one of those things where when you take that into account, I know there's a couple of other playmakers on this offense that we'll talk about here shortly. But when you take into account the interior offensive line, do you think they're going to be able to get it done? Because Luke Gedeke in particular his uh, preseason reps against the Colts weren't too pretty. Yeah, and I think it's a reason. And, and let me talk about this from, from a couple of different angles. If you're the Buccaneers, it's next man up. Like you're never going to create a crutch that the foundation is injury because football is a violent physical game. So all 32 teams deal with some kind of injuries. Uh, I think it was the Browns who lost their center, I think, in the first preseason game. The Cowboys – you know, lost uh, Smith, the left tackle, in, in a preseason. So teams are going to battle through injuries. I think it's the uh, the fact that all this happened during one offseason. You know, Marpet, Kappa, Jensen, you know, one offseason and didn't really give you enough opportunity to really fill those, you know, needs, you know, with first, you know, with, with, with top-of-the-line type talent, you know. So they're just trying to kind of – you know, place a body in there. But it's the reason that, that, that those guys are backups and aren't getting paid, you know, starter money other places. So, of course, there's going to be a drop-off. You know, what makes me nervous, and I know it was uh, Tristan worse, but when we were showing an old lineman in the Rams game, I mean, it had a huge impact. I mean, that defensive line, you know, they really, you know, put a lot of contact on the Tom Brady and, you know, it looks like he's going to be able to play forever, and, and we hope he can, but he is 45, you know. So um, could it end up being, you know, something that, de- de- you know, debilitates, you know, the team? Yeah, you know. Um, but it's also an opportunity, man. It's an opportunity for, for Gedeke and these guys to, to play them with their way in, into major contracts. You know, uh, I do want to, you know, have – one opinion about the schedule. So I'm a person who doesn't look at the schedule like others because, you know, go back to last year. There's no way you could have looked at last year's schedule and thought Cincinnati was going to be a Super Bowl participant and factored that into your strength of schedule rankings. So the NFL has so much parity that the only variance I see in schedules when I look at them is I look at who are the opposing quarterbacks. And I think that's where – you know, the schedule came up a little bit tough Tampa because they get Dak Prescott, Jameis Winston, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, what I think is going to be an improved Mitchell Trubisky because of the, the consistency in Pittsburgh and, and the offensive talent around in Baker Mayfield, you know, Lamar Jackson, Matthew Stafford. Uh, who knows what Trey Lance will be like come December. You know, if you're going to play San Francisco – I would have loved to play them in September, not December. Then you get Joe Burrow, then Kyler Murray, then Baker again. So, I mean, they play almost all the elite quarterbacks in this league, you know, except maybe three or four. So, you know, it's tough to beat, you know, great quarterbacks. So, I would say this. If Tampa's, 
you know, battling for the, the one or two seed in the NFC, this will be the year I think they really overachieved to get to that level. So, you know, I know you mentioned 12, but uh, I'll be I'll be pleasantly surprised. But but to me, 12 would be a huge accomplishment. On the offensive side of the ball, sticking with that conversation, you look at the running back room as well, because we can talk about 12 and we can, of course, talk about the guys that he's going to be able to throw to. But Leonard Fournette just recently inked a three-year deal with Tampa Bay, and we have heard a ton of hype about rookie running back Rashad White. Uh, unofficial depth chart released today from TampaBayBuccaneers.com, and it has him listed as running back two. So what do you make of this guy? Because a lot of people said he looked good in the preseason, and I'll agree. But, I mean, I'm seeing articles every other day talking about how excited we should be, and it's like it's like Cadillac Williams' level of hype, it seems, with this kid, and, and it wasn't like this the night that we drafted him. It seems like as more and more people have had time to kind of deep dive into what he brings to the team, people get really excited. Well, uh, I host a show on the VSIN network, V-S-I-N. Uh, you download that app. You can listen for free. If you have YouTube TV, we have our own channel. And uh, I have a show from 3 to 6 Pacific, a television show, actually, that uh, you can also listen, of course, through all the, the different uh, mechanisms, you know, from a, from a radio standpoint. I had Rashad White, right, White rated as my number two running back coming into the draft behind only Iowa State's Brees Hall. You know, uh, I remember texting some of the coaches right after the draft and say, I love that pick. You know, uh, now just a little background on Rashad. He's not a lifelong running back. He actually played receiver, ended up having to go to JUCO, transferred to Arizona State, the COVID hit. So that kind of negated, you know, some of his experience at running back. His first year really playing, you know, full-time running back where he was like the key guy was last year. And uh, I think he gives the Tampa something they haven't really had, which is elusiveness, acceleration, explosiveness out of the backfield. Uh, because of his wide receiver background, he brings that third down, you know, ability to catch the football. You know, so I really like his upside. I'm kind of hesitant to really be bullish on him for year one because his inexperience makes him a liability a lot of times in pass protection. He's still learning protections and, you know, responsibilities and techniques. So I think that's how Leonard Fournette, you know, initially leapfrogged, you know, Ronald Jones and, and the different guys is because, you know, he excels at that part of it, you know. So once Rashad, you know, gains the trust of Tom and Byron from a pass protection standpoint, I think he's going to become like a, a household name that everyone knows about. But in the meantime, you know, if we can get, you know, 10 to 15 snaps per game out of him, then, then I think we're winning. But I did have him rated my number two back behind Brees Hall from Iowa State. Yeah, and with these rookie guys coming in to, you know, this situation here in Tampa Bay, they're also in a championship window. And I think – developing talent when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady who may or may not play past next season, you kind of have to realize that, you know, these guys would be on a much shorter leash than they would if the Bucs were an average six or seven win team where you have more time to have these guys take up some snaps on the offense and figure out what kind of player they are. But if any one of these guys can come in here and contribute year one, I think it's going to be a win for Jason Light when you look back at his draft record. Now for Rashad White and his situation, 
He is behind Leonard Fournette, who just got paid a three-year deal. One of the biggest reasons I think he was able to get the money he did from Tampa Bay is not only Brady coming back, but uh, his ability to really turn around and catch the ball much better in 2021 than he did in 2020. And for a lot of people who get excited about Rashad White, they get excited about his potential to catch the ball. I know Leonard Fournette is hopefully going to be doing his thing this year, barring an injury. But do you see Rashad White as one of those guys who can really start to earn himself some playing time towards the end of the year when maybe your starters want to rest up for the postseason? Uh, has to revolve around rest. I think the talent alone, you know, will get him on the field. Again, he just has to become trustworthy in pass protection, you know, especially with, you know, the issues they've had on the interior line. You know, a lot of people are going to walk those backers up into the eight gaps. They're going to make go to key and these guys prove that they can make the proper adjustments. You know, one of the things about losing Ryan Jensen is he's the guy when it wasn't Brady that made the adjustments, whether it be in the run game or pass protection. So, you know, having somebody new there, you know, the back, you know, his, his importance from a pass protection standpoint becomes vital. Under promise, over deliver, you know, so that's what I'm doing here with Rashad White because uh, I just think on talent alone, he's the best running back they have. But I'd rather bring him along slowly as opposed to throwing him out there and him losing his confidence because, you know, it's one thing if Sean King is a quarterback and the running back missed the block and I get flattened. You know, it's another time, if, it, if it's another thing, if it's a seven-time Super Bowl champ, three-time MVP, where you miss a block and he gets flattened. So, big big Rashad White fan. I think the fan base is going to learn to really enjoy watching him and his explosiveness. Uh, again, Fournette gives you a security blanket, you know, for, for you to take your time with Rashad. Oh, yeah. And that's a good feeling to have. You know, I've always been one of those people who gets a little skeptical about paying the running back, but... As far as Leonard Fournette and his development over these last two years, I'm, I'm fairly comfortable with a three-year deal. And at the end of the day, you can't you can't get mad when a guy does his job, goes out there and gets paid. So happy for everyone in that room and excited to see what Rashad White can bring to the table this season. Let's talk about the wide receiver room really quick. I know you had some comments last time we had you on the show about Mike Evans that got some attention. But, uh, of course, Chris Godwin and his questions of how healthy he will be over the first three or four weeks of the season and then, of course, the additions following the loss of Antonio Brown. You bring in Russell Gage, sign him to a three-year deal, which means this front office is pretty high on what he can bring to the team. But uh, what are your thoughts on this? You know, they they were able to cut it down to 53. They carry seven wide receivers into the season. Scotty Miller makes the cut. Rashad Perryman also still there. Um, but what do you make of this group and uh, kind of where they are if, you know, depth starts getting thin like the end of last season? Well, when they're healthy, I mean, they're as good as anybody in the league. I mean, Mike Evans is probably one of the more underrated, you know, wide receivers, you know, in the National Football League. I think that's, that's what I said, you know, uh, that you were alluding to previously. What Which comment did I make about Mike? I, I had seen something that had said uh, something of him playing outside of his prime or he is on the latter part of his prime. Oh, yeah, or yeah. Beginning the descent because he is entering, I think, yes. year nine this year. Yeah, he's, yes, yes, yes. He's absolutely – he doesn't run like he did when he was – uh in his first or second year, but that's everybody in the league. So it's not like an attack or shot on Mike. It's actually a compliment because his production still has not diminished. You know, a uh, thousand yard season, if I'm not mistaken, in every year of his career. I mean, he's outstanding, but, you know, I'm a person that believes the truth doesn't have emotions. It's just the truth. And he's our number one, but he doesn't have the young legs of Justin Jefferson. 
or Jamar Chase or, you know, these guys, the, you know, that they, they, they're fresh, young, you know, don't have all the hits and, you know, the training camps and, and you know, the, the miles on them. That's just facts. You know, uh, I thought Russell Gage was, was an excellent addition, you know, especially, you know, as Chris Godwin protection, you know, just in case at the time we didn't really have a, a public timetable as far as a team saying he's definitively going to be back and a hundred percent. But I mean, not a lot of people can, can line up Mike Evans, Russell Gage and Chris Godwin as their top three guys. So, you know, I think the wide receiver room is in good hands. Um, moving forward, you probably like to see them go and, and draft a young stud like a George Pickens, who I think, you know, Pittsburgh got in the second or third round, you know, who looks like, you know, you'd love to, you know, fall into one of those, guys you know that, that it's on a team-friendly contract but I mean as far as the 2022 season if they aren't successful it's not going to be because they didn't have enough talent at wide receiver now uh, the Julio Jones factor you know one of the things that kind of you know plagued him last year in Tennessee was he just wasn't available a lot you know a lot of you know little injuries here and there that, that made him miss a lot of games so you know we'll see if he's healthy you know I do think uh he has viability in the red zone, you know, where I'm interested to see, you know, how does the red zone package look? You know, Grant was such a big part of what we've done in the red zone the last two years. So, you know, he's not there. So I do think uh, Julio, that big frame, that experience, you know, that catch radius can be a plus in the red zone. So the receiver group is in good hands. Now, if Chris Godwin isn't available to go week one or week two, I, I know they have been pretty liberal with him at practice these past couple of weeks. We've seen him run in full speed. He has been wearing a non-contact jersey most of the time because what's the point of him taking hits in, in you know training camp before the season starts? But first, do you think he's going to be ready week one? And uh, I guess a follow-up to that is if he's going to be missing time early in the season you think Julio Jones still is enough to get it done to really step up? I know he'd be like a wide receiver three at that point, but can he get it done for this Bucks team and really surprise a lot of people at his age? I think Julio's the only one that has the answer to that question. I mean, he's done everything. He, he's a no-brainer first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, you would assume that he went to Tennessee last year and came to Tampa this year in a pursuit of trying to win a championship. You know, a lot of people thought Tennessee had a shot last year. They still had A.J. Brown. You know, you add Julio Jones, you know, to Derrick Henry and that defense, and, you know, they thought they had a chance this year. I'm assuming he's ring chasing. We'll see. As far as Chris Godwin, I'd be cautious. You know, uh, they start the season at Dallas, at New Orleans. NFL didn't do them any favors, you know, from an early season schedule. Then they come home versus Aaron Rodgers and then Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, that's a tough four games to start the season. I wouldn't want to risk not having Godwin for the rest of the year rushing him back. So, you know, when you're talking about coming from a, a significant injury, it's, it's not just the running in shorts. It's can you handle, change the direction, weight, contact, you know, shock to those particular areas, you know, because – you know, it's not flag, you know, it's tackle out there. So, you know, if he has to miss the first two weeks, you know, to make sure he's healthy, I'm okay with that. At the same time, you know, historically, as Buccaneers, we heal different, you know. And the other side of that is it, 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 whatever, if he's not ready on September 11th, then how could he be ready on September 25th? You know, coming off of a, a, a ACL, I think it was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
coming off of an ACL, what is 14 days going to do? I mean, you're ready or you're, you're not, you know what I mean? So, you know, hopefully he's ready. I think Chris is a great person, and he's turned into a, a really great player. So uh, I think uh, we, we love for him to be available, you know, but I want him to be healthy when he gets out there. Yeah, I, I said it on our season prediction show. I don't entirely see him being ready to go for week one. If he is, have to imagine he's on a snap count, you know, very strict limit of how much he can be out there, what he's going to be running around and doing. But I feel like if anyone wants to make a push for him to be ready week two in particular, it's going to be Chris Godwin because to go back and play the team that took you out way back when, you know, that's going to be an exciting game for everyone watching. Of course, Jameis Winston coming back, playing healthy, always going to want to play his best against Tampa Bay. I think Chris Godwin, if he's not ready to go week one, I think he's good week two. But just like you said, once you get down to the nitty gritty and and just how much he has healed up until this point, what is the difference in one or two or three weeks going to make when it is that long term of an injury? But it's going to be something to watch. And uh, as you guys know, we're always here rooting for Chris Godwin. But let's get into a pair of questions here from our buddy Norm Pritt before we talk about the defense here. So we opened the show talking about Tom Brady and uh, one more question about him before we move on here. We've heard a lot of hodgepodge about his personal life these past couple of weeks. I mean, ever since he took that 11 day absence from training camp, he has kind of dominated the news cycle on what he may or may not be doing off the field. But the question we have from Norm is this Brady's headed into year 23. This is a guy who's already retired once. He said it on uh, the Let's Go podcast this week that he still wants to prove that he can lead a team to a championship. If he does that with Tampa Bay this season and he captures that eighth Super Bowl ring, I feel like this is almost out of the question. But if he doesn't get the job done, does he come back to play beyond this season? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I mean, who would have thought he would have been playing at 45? You know what makes what he's doing so impressive is, I mean, he's coming off of a Super Bowl win at 43, a season at 44, and I don't care what anybody says, Tom Brady was NFL MVP last year. I know Aaron Rodgers won it, but, I mean, at 44 to throw for, what, 5,040? Yeah, a career high in passing yards. I, I know the Bucks yeah. asked him to do a lot. I mean, he threw the ball more than any other quarterback by a good margin, but he, he did it damn well. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I mean, who knows with Tom? Um, I hope everything's all right, you know, with him. You know, uh, a away from the field, you know, being a former player, we don't get involved in that. That's not our business. You know, I know the media – you know, they're paid to cover a, partif- a specific entity and, you know, they have to do their job. But inside the locker room, that's not a topic of discussion. I mean, whatever he got going on, he's going to do what he feels is in the best interest of himself and his family. And uh, when he walk in the locker room, he wanted us. We're going to love him up. We're going to support him. And we're going to go out and try and win football games and all that stuff there. That stuff will play out how it's supposed to play out. The other question we have here regarding the tight end room, and I think you already know where this one is headed. Uh, (laughs) Rob Gronkowski announced his retirement back in June, but it seems like ever since then, we have heard from just about everyone but the man himself that he may or may not be done playing football. When you look at Gronk, this is a guy who phoned in his at-home workouts during training camp just a couple of years ago, so he didn't have to do them. He recorded all of them in one day with a bunch of different T-shirts on, and that was his training camp session. So we know he can get it done without training camp. But 
Do you think he does just pull a Tom Brady and come back at some point this season? A lot of signs seem to be pointing that way. Personally, I think he's done. But if there's anything we've learned about this Bucks team over the last three years is uh, never say never. No, I think he's done. Brady retired for two months, Tom, and Gronkowski retired forever. And for the rest of his life, he can say me and Brady actually retired at the same time. Now, Brady changed his mind, but, you know, I'm a man of my word, so I'm not going back <laughs> on my word. I think Gronk, Gronk is done. Gronk has so many off the field, you know, that he is doing. You know, I think he's a fun-loving guy. And I think football was his passion, but I don't think it was overwhelming for him like it is for Tom. Like, I feel like Gronk has got 10 different things he can do post-football that makes him just as happy and brings him just as much joy. Where I think for Tom, I think that's a part of the scary thing about walking away is what else does he have that he can get the same kind of, you know, feeling from that the game of football being a player has brought him. So Gronk is gone. Gronk's in the win. Like Gronk's that friend that said he's going travel and he's really going travel. I, I cannot see a universe where we get, you know, Tom Brady is DJ Tom at sunset music festival or something like that. Or he's, he's slapping his sponsorship on the side of a TB 12 brand energy drink or, or something like that, you know, making appearances in WWE and winning championships. I, I tend to agree with you in how Gronk's mindset works. He seems like a simple guy uh, in more ways than one. So the fact of the matter is he's out here enjoying his life and he's just going to coast off of all of the sponsorship money for the rest of his life. It seems he probably doesn't even have to touch his NFL money, but um, you know, I, I, I tend to agree. Like I, I think this is the last we have seen of Rob Gronkowski if he wasn't battling that uh, that injury he had last year, the way that he was, you know, I know that they tried to bring him back against uh, the Saints on Halloween a couple weeks after that, and he really just he wasn't himself. Had to miss a couple more weeks after that, and and really wasn't the same after that. I, I think he is. Uh, he's gotten enough of a taste of the sweet life both times now that he he just he knows he's done. Yeah, and he's been extremely successful. You know, again, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, so. You know, legacy-wise, he doesn't need to come back and, you know, win another Super Bowl or, or, you know, break this yardage record or this touchdown catch record to get in the hall. You know, he's going to get a a gold jacket, you know. So, hey, hats off to uh, Rob Gronkowski. Great career. Uh, If you ask, like, the prototype modern-day tight end, I mean, Gronk's, you know, most likely the first name that comes up. So, you know, he was one of those rare guys that had the size to attach to the tackle, the mindset and the ferocity, you know, to be involved in the trenches. Cause I mean, it take a strong individual, There's some strong jokers. If you ever get a chance, you know, walk up on uh Vita Vea, one of those guys and tell them just to place their hand on your shoulder. You, you might buckle. <laughs> I mean, so that to get in there, I mean, it, it take a, a specific mindset and then to also be able to, make catches in the open field, you know, high point and, 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 you know, become like a receiver in the red zone, you know, for jump balls, you know, to make t- catches that have a lot of physicality around him where it's bang, bang. But, I mean, he, he didn't really have any weaknesses, you know. And, you know, I do think the tight end room, if 
there is one position that kind of concerns me. You know, that's it. You know, not only do you lose Gronk, but the O.J. Howard, you know, experiment, you know, finally came to an end. Obviously, you know, that'll go down as probably one of Light's misses. You know, he hadn't had very many. But uh, the fact that O.J. hadn't really been able to establish himself anywhere else, you know, since leaving, you know, kind of speaks to the fact I think the Bucks made the right decision. I mean, you got Cameron Brait, who's rock solid. I mean, Kyle Rudolph, you know, was great at Notre Dame, great for the Vikings for a while. But, I mean, he's going into, what, year 13, 12 or 13. So what does he have left? And, you know, the other two guys are – yeah, the other two guys are rookies. Yeah, I was going to just piggyback there. A pair of rookies, you know, Kate Otten, uh, he had some success catching the football in the preseason, but not really known for his blocking. And we've heard a lot of good things about Keeft, but – the fact of the matter is, just like you said, he's a rookie and there isn't that experience factor there. So while the Bucks kind of did what they could, it seems like it took them three separate players to maybe fill the hole that a Gronkowski is going to leave. The fact of the matter is, it's it's still hard to replace a guy like Big 87. Yeah, especially you know, when it comes to the trust, quote, trust quotient. You know, if you think about Brady's tenure here in Tampa, he's generally looked for Gronk in the most pressure-packed situations. Like, okay, kind of, we got to have a play right here. It's uh, 80% of the time, you know, Ben Gronkowski. So, uh, again, they did did a good job with Russell Gage and Julio Jones. And, you know, if Kyle Rudolph, you know, has another year in him, you know, at least having some experience there. But I don't think that position will be as impactful this year as it has the last two. Yeah, it'll be tough, but uh, certainly something to watch here as we talk about this Buccaneers offense. We kind of put a bow on that side of the football and take a look at the defensive starters for Tampa Bay. Firstly, addressing what they did in the offseason, we look at the new defensive line. You kind of mentioned it previously uh, a little bit earlier on the show. They decided to move on from Jason Pierre-Paul and Indama Kinsu, who both are still unsigned as of this recording, which... Uh, I guess is a curious case there. Not sure if it comes down to maybe a salary dispute or just not really finding that right fit, but to address it, they bring in Akeem Hicks. You get Joe Tryon Shoyinka getting a little bit more reps on the outside as a pass rusher. And then they sign Carl Nassib, who makes his return to Tampa Bay as some rotational depth there on the edge. You still got Shaq Barrett holding it down on the other side. And of course, big Vita Vea, who was just named a team captain this year for the first time in his career. What do you make of this Bucks front seven? And uh, overall, how do you think the pass rush is going to work this year? Is it going to be better? Is it going to stay stagnant? Is the run defense going to be just as good? Well, I think it's TBD, and we'll find out. Um, it definitely doesn't have as much star power. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, Indominus Sue was the first pick in the draft. Am, if, am I right about that? Did he go one and McCoy went two? I want to say it was 2-3. Let me double-check for okay. you. Okay, you, you you might be right. Yeah, he was number two. Gerald McCoy was number three. Okay, who went one that year? Let me see here. Sam Bradford to St. Louis. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, the star power isn't what it was. You know, him and Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, even if people didn't know Pierre-Paul played for the Giants, he did it one time and was outstanding as the opposite defensive end uh, to Michael Strahan. Most people probably know him from the firecracker incident on the 4th of July, but he came to Tampa and was extremely productive. You know, so losing those two guys who probably are on the backside of their careers, 
you know, just to speak on them now, I haven't signed with a team, you know, I call it plenty of money problems. So when guys have that much money, they don't really have any problems. <laughs> so instead of going somewhere and having to go through training camp, they'll stay and kind of pick and choose. I want to say Michael Bennett did this a few years ago, you know, where he kind of waited to see how the early part of the season played out. Okay, where can I go and, you know, potentially have a good chance to, to win another championship? So I think that's what both of those guys are doing. Um, Vita Vea, tremendous talent. Um, I think he's established himself. Uh, Joe Tryon, you know, it's had flashes. You know, uh, the big thing is going to be can those guys handle the increased snap count? You know, the one thing about, you know, Sue and Pierre Paul was they ate up a lot of snaps and, and did it at a winning level if not a Pro Bowl level at all times, you know, at this point in their career, it's still a winning level. So, you know, can those young guys handle the extra snaps? We'll see. And guys like Carl Nassib and 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 those guys, they're going to be a rotation. They're going to rotate guys. But, you know, this is an opportunity. You know, uh, I think they might have the best back seven in football behind them or at least one of the top three or four you know, back sevens in football. I'm talking about the Bucks linebackers and, and, and secondary. So so that helps. And then uh, Todd will get creative and how he, he brings his pressures. You know, uh, hopefully we stay out of the cover zero against Cooper Cup. But other than that, I'm all for, you know, being aggressive. <laughs> when you evaluate the Buccaneers defense, it seems like the conversation on the linebackers is pretty open and shut, as you had alluded to. Levante David returning still looks as quick as ever this preseason. Devin White expected to have a big year after kind of a quiet year last year, but still more than serviceable as a linebacker in the NFL, has a promising young career on his hands. But uh, the name that a lot of people got this preseason was Olakunte, or I'm sorry, yeah, Olakunle. Fadakazi. I'm, I'm sure I butchered that somewhere, but um, he basically made himself a spot on the roster, and with the departure of Grant Stewart, he could be looked at in the same capacity as just rotational depth. You'll probably see him a little bit more later on in the year, but I don't know if you got to see any of what he was able to bring this preseason, led the team in tackles in those first two preseason games, and uh, definitely earned a spot on the team. Yeah, um, Young, explosive player. You know, hopefully he can continue to develop. And uh, he's got two great teachers. Uh, you know, Levante David, I mean, he's just been a pillar, you know, from the time he came from Nebraska. A lot of people, you know, used to compare him to Derrick Brooks, you know, because of the size, you know, similarities. You know, undersized, but plays so much bigger and so much faster. And, you know, that's a lot of expectations to put on a player, you know. And I only think there would ever be one Derrick Brooks, but, you know, Levante can hold, uh, hold his head high because he's been an outstanding player. You know, Devin White, a lot of people don't know this, but he's your favorite player's favorite player. Like, I have I have Brian Erlacher on my show every uh, Monday, and he said the favorite player in the NFL to watch is Devin White, unsolicited, because people just like the way he plays the, with the speed, the acceleration, you know, the violence. You know, people love Devin, and if he continues to improve – I mean, he's going to be a generational player. Um, what can you say about – I mean, Shaq Barrett's listed as a, a linebacker. I know he, you know, plays with his hand in the dirt more than anything. But, I mean, that's an outstanding group. You know, a lot of teams would die to have a Levante David 
and a Devin White. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the rookie's name, but getting to getting to learn from those two, you know, about how to be a professional, that's outstanding. You know, I, I've said it a lot with Devin White too. He's fun to watch because uh, I attribute it to his farm strength. You know, you hear a lot about how he's got his own stables and he's he's grown up a lot in the farm setting, but that farm strength is no joke, man. When you've been tossing around hay bales and and feed bags for 15, 20 years, the calluses in your hands, it just adds another layer of strength. Like those, you know, those old guys that just have that unbreakable strength. I know you know what I'm talking about as a Florida guy. Yes. So we call it country strong. Yeah. The guy, guy never lifted a weight in his life, but man, if he put his hands on you, I mean, you, you think he was like uh, training for Mr. Universe, you know, since birth. And, and that's what them country boys are, you know. Um, and, and Devin fits that criteria. And I mean, he's been an outstanding player. That's a phenomenal draft pick, you know, by uh, management. Jason did an excellent job evaluating him out of LSU. And I mean, he's been tremendous. So let's get to the back end of this defense here and start to round some things out with the secondary head coach. Todd Bowles actually announced this week that Jamel Dean would get the start at that quarterback two spot. What do you make of the secondary? You got Carlton Davis, obviously a, a seasoned vet at this point, it seems in the NFL re-signed with Tampa Bay just last off season. Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy bunting heading into crucial years here. And then the rookie bringing up the pack Zion McCollum. And then also the safety room. You got Antoine Winfield Jr. heading into a promising third year. Mike Edwards getting a bit bigger of a role this year. Keanu Neal and Logan Ryan, new additions there as well. But for the starters, you know, this unit, I'd say for the most part, at least in that cornerback room, you're starting to see some consistency. And Carlton Davis is is really etched out of place as one of the better corners in the NFL, I think. I don't think Kevin Ross gets enough credit for the job he's done. You know, um, Anton Winfield, of course, has been a baller since he stepped, you know, in, in, into one bug. Carlton Davis, outstanding, you know, player from Auburn as well. But there are times, you know, when people thought Sean Murphy Bunton was a bust out of Central Michigan. And, you know, Kevin has continued to work with him. They moved him to nickel, you know, a couple years ago, which I thought really helped him. And he's really turned into a tremendous player for us. You know, the same way with Jamal Dean. I remember, I think it was two years ago, I think it was the Rams game when he just got blitzkrieged. I mean, they were throwing the ball all over his head. And, I mean, the majority of the fan base was like, you know, we got to get rid of this guy. And Kevin Ross, you know, never lost confidence in him. You know, we kept, you know, building him up, kept working on his fundamentals. And, you know, now he's being rewarded. And we're long and experienced in our secondary. And people would die for that. I mean, when you talk about Sean – Carlton and Jamal, I think the shortest one is what, 6'1? You know, so I mean, that's a, a, a great luxury to have at that position to compete with these taller receivers, you know, that are athletic, you know, and uh, it, it makes up for Antoine Winfield, you know, not being, you know, the biggest safety. But I mean, he reminds me a lot of Rondé Barber from an instinct standpoint, you know, just his football like you know, you expect that, you know, being the, the son of, uh, of, of, of Anton Winfield, who was a great safety at Ohio State and Minnesota. So, you know, I don't, you know, think Mike Edwards is as accomplished as the rest of them. But, again, Kevin Ross deserves a lot of credit. He's a guy going into his fourth year with Tampa. You know, he's kind of groomed him for this role. And, and now we get to see, you know, him go out and get a chance to be the everyday starter. So, 
you know, Kevin doesn't get enough credit for what he's done with, with the guys on that back end, you know, especially considering they have not gone out in free agency and paid superstar money for a Jesse Bates or Marcus Williams or, or May, you know, guys that have been available. So, you know, hats off to Kevin Ross. Yeah, and a lot of guys in the secondary with contract years coming up. So if they show out this year, you may have to fork out a little bit of extra money that you didn't expect to pay if you were to re-sign them this last offseason. But obviously, a lot of that is yet to be determined, but it should be a fun thing to watch play out over the course of the season. As we wrap things up, need to get a game prediction for you. Bucks versus Cowboys, AT&T Stadium, Sunday night football, week one football we have made it, my friend. It's game week. Football is back. The most beautiful sport in the world. We'll see Dak Prescott and Tom Brady in Jerry Land. How do you think this one's going to go? There's a lot of firsts for both teams, and I know that Dallas is kind of dealing with some own injuries in their camp over there. So it'll be interesting to see how these guys come out. But uh, where do you think the Bucks are in week one squaring off against Dallas? I think it's going to be a great game. I don't think the game flow is going to be like last year where it turned into a shootout. I think last year people expected Tampa to really roll Dallas and, and Dak Prescott, you know, healthy Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb. I mean, they were exceptional and really gave us some fits. I think this one's going to be a more tightly contested game, played closer to the vest offensively. You know, I think Tampa's still trying to, navigate through what they really have on the interior of the offensive line, especially when you have a Micah Parsons type in week one, you know, who excelled last year at rushing the quarterback. And the same thing for Dallas. You know, after, you know, Smith went down, you know, hell, they just signed 40-year-old Jason Peters, you know, just say get through practice. What a, so, what a sight for Eagles fans, by the way, man. I mean, that's got to hurt. That's got to yeah, be rough. Yeah. See the picture of him signing the contract, just head to toe in Dallas gear. And, you know, they've got some injuries at receiver, some guys that aren't available. So, you know, I'm going to say Tampa wins. I'm going to go 21-14, some kind of somewhere in that area. Um, I think Tom finds a way to get it done. I think uh, Vita, Shaq, those guys get off to a good start, you know, against a very depleted Dallas offensive line. Remember, they lost Lyle Collins to the Bengals. Uh, the kid they drafted in the first, Tyler Smith from Tulsa, like he's a developmental guy, and I think he's starting. So, you know, advantage Tampa in, in a lot of ways. So uh, I'm going to go 21-14 Tampa. I don't think it'll be as high scoring as last year. I, I tend to agree there, but you heard it here, folks, ladies and gentlemen. With that being said, that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire podcast with special guest, former Bucks quarterback coach Sean King. Pleasure to have you here uh, anything you want to plug before we wrap things up? Uh, yeah, you guys can follow me uh, at RealSeanKing on Twitter. I'm telling you, it's a truth-only zone. So if you don't like the truth, if your feelings get hurt easy, you probably uh, just don't want to comment because I'm going to respond. Uh, also, I have a television show. I'm living out in the beautiful city of Las Vegas now. It's called V-S-I-N Primetime. V-S-I-N is from 3 to 6 Pacific. You guys can download the VSIN app, V-S-I-N, and listen for free. Or if you have YouTube television, we have our own channel on there. You guys can watch the show as well. Uh, if you guys are into sports wagering, go to vsin.com backslash subscribe. We have our college and pro betting guides out. We do all the work for you. All you have to do is purchase the guide and then follow what we tell you to do. 
for a profitable football season. So, hey, man, I'm going to be uh, a permanent part of the Cannon Fire podcast. I'm excited about it. Uh, excited to be joining uh, you guys. Also be joining Believe. So uh, I'm looking forward to some great things. And, hey, man, let's go Bucks. What a, wouldn't it be great to send Brady out, you know, with another championship? You know, it'd be pretty dope, you know, for the community, for the organization, you know, and for Tom. You know, he, I, I hope he has a lot of success this year. He's been so good for the game of football, you know. Uh, so I hope we can – and then I, I guess I'm jumping the gun on sending him out. You know, who knows with Tom. Yeah. He might be playing <laughs> at, at 49. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, this Brady era in Tampa Bay history is already looked at as – one of the better runs in the history of the team. Of course, everybody's going to look at those teams, the Dungy teams from the late 90s, and of course, the team that got it done in 2002. But, I mean, just the level of success that this team has had. If they can figure out a way to reel in two championships in three years with the greatest of all time at quarterback, it'll be some of the best football I think some of us will ever remember. And uh, I'm just grateful we get to watch it for another season. Should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for jumping on the pod with us this week. Ladies and gentlemen, follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast, best place to go for updates on the show, and of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Last but not least, you can find myself on social media, Instagram, and Twitter at Redicus. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But that's the show. We'll catch up with you later on this week for a more in-depth game preview. The Buccaneers taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Evan should be off of the IR for that one, so we'll have him back. It should be a great show. Excited to kick off a great year of coverage. And uh, yeah, man, football's back. It's game week, baby. I really cannot believe it. Thank you so much for checking out the show this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.